Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern wondering, what is all this slime? Codename Legion Cub. <laughs> oh. Oh, you can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast. That is the best way to interact with us. If there's something that you want us to talk about, shoot us a message, let us know, and keep an eye out uh, for our sound off posts which will go up every monday that we have a live stream and you can tell us uh what you want to hear about our next live stream will be february 13th the day before valentine's day we're going to go ahead and get our uh sweetheart our cobra sweetheart parade out of the way yes let's see here you can follow us on twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. So you guys, we just had a great live stream. For to, to, We're going to get a little inside baseball here, even though I don't care about baseball. Uh, <laughs> what we do is we have our live stream, and then immediately after that, we record the next audio episode for the following week. So since that live stream, the review of the Sky Striker, the Haslab Sky Striker, has gone up on the Needless Things YouTube channel, which you should check out and subscribe to, tell your friends about. All kinds of different toy reviews, but specifically G.I. Joe reviews. Every time there's a new G.I. Joe product that comes out, uh, I'm going to open it up and review it. I do not currently have my Sky Striker, but it's coming tomorrow. So that review will be up by the time you're hearing this. Uh, you can also, uh, on that Audible Interlude podcast Instagram, you can check out links for our Audible Interlude t-shirts. We got a couple of different designs available. And you can get them in many different colors, sizes, and styles. Uh, shirts for the ladies, shirts for the fellas. You can get a ringer if you're stuck in the 80s like all of us are. You can get yourself a ringer t-shirt. or a uh, No, not a ringer, but you can get a three-quarter sleeve baseball style. Uh, t-shirt to continue my weird baseball talk for the night maybe instead of uh our later america's elite we should cover hardball just to be keeping up with <laughs> with all this nonsense uh but anyway uh check out that live stream uh every other monday you can catch us live on the needless things youtube channel but every single friday uh audio episodes of this podcast will be available you guys i think it's time now to move into our first segment what do you think Yo, Joe, or Cobra. This is Rank and File Card, where we take a look at the file cards of the original G.I. Joe, a real American hero line. I, you know, I say the original line. Eventually, we may get beyond that. 47 years from now, if we're still win we're still doing this podcast maybe we'll get into the uh the 2000s and some of the newer characters uh that were released but for now we're still in 1982 chugging away going in chronological order uh on these file cards christian who are we talking about this time today we are talking about cobra codename the enemy all right, so file name is unknown. Uh, his grade is an E4 or equivalent. 
his birthplace, various countries, or I guess I should say there, because it is more than one. Yeah, that, well, and this one is interesting because for the first time, this is a file card for multiple well, yeah. individuals, mm-hmm. troop troop builders, if you will. Yeah. So their primary specialty is infantry. Their secondary specialty is sabotage. Listen, all y'all. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting to see who did the Beastie Boys reference first. Yes, of course. Coaches. All right. One of the nameless, faceless legions of Cobra Command. Each Cobra is highly skilled in the use of explosives. All NATO and Warsaw Pact small arms, sabotage, and the martial arts. So let's stop there real quick. Mm-hmm. This is painting a picture of a much more specialized agent than we typically think of the Cobra Trooper as being, which to go back to the start, the fact that it's just Cobra, it's not Cobra Trooper. It's not Cobra infantry. It's just Cobra. Well, I mean, there was them in the officer at this point. Well, and the code name. So so if you were, if you were a ninja joining up, you were just a Cobra. Cobra. You're well, just Cobra. Here you go. Here's your blue. The way I've always looked at the code names, because in the first year, the, the, we had three enemies. We had Cobra, Cobra Officer, and Cobra Commander. And they were the enemy, the enemy, and enemy leader, because these code names were being assigned by G.I. Joe. Right, right, right. So that's just how they they were just the enemy. That's all. That's all it was. Like, it was literally a matter of, like, that's how they refer to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the next year where we got like Major Blood or Destro that actually had like character names, right? Beyond that, well, and I like uh, the secondary specialty being sabotage because sabotage suggests a certain level of villainy, you know. And and obviously saboteurs are on every every side, but when you think of sabotaging something, it does seem like a a more villainous act. It's something you sort of relate to bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the right. martial arts is the one that's like, mm. right, right, right. You know, that I, was the one I sort of have forgotten after all these years. Yeah. For considering well, that, how much they went into the whole world of the ninja later, mm-hmm. they were all doing a little bit of martial arts from the beginning. Well, it's interesting. So if, if these were rewritten today, or not rewritten today, if they were originally written today, rather than martial arts, would it say just like MMA? <laughs> <laughs> would that be a whole different thing? Or they they would probably specialize, like they would specify things like Krav Maga or like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would imagine. And, and once we get to... And honestly, we may have to sort of mix it up a little bit because if we go chronologically, we're never going to get to modern file cards. And I'm I am interested to see if if some of the later file cards, because I'll I'll admit to you guys right now, I kept the file cards from my modern collection. I don't think I read a single one of them. You mean from like the twenty fifth? Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't have as much information. Did, well, and that's either. what I, I can't remember. Did they were they exact duplicates of mm-hmm. Larry Hama's originals? They were updated. If as I'm remembering, I 
don't think they were. It, um, man, I wish I had them in the room right here with me. Well, well you know what? There's an easy way to check that. Probably have them on YoJo because that's yeah. where I'm pulling these up anyway. That's yeah, what I'm so getting ready to go look at right now. I'm looking at the 2008 Cobra Trooper, and okay. there's actually a fair amount of information on this one. It's It's got a lot more text than the original See, that's, version. That was my memory of these, was that the modern ones actually were, they, they elaborated a little bit more. I thought, I thought there was less, man, that's what I was, um, I'm remembering that there was less information because we had already started with the whole tri-language stuff, but no, I guess what's not. interesting. What's interesting about the 2007 Cobra Trooper is it's got the silver emblem on its chest. Uh, no, no, no. The, the, the multilingual stuff didn't start till much later on uh, mm. looking at, well, we'll go ahead and do this. Okay. So uh, let, let's finish up our 1982 Cobra. Yeah, so he is a or they are qualified experts in the Scorpion VZOR61 machine pistol, the Dragonov SVD sniper rifle, the Uzi submachine gun, and of course the M16. Everybody knows everybody in the Joeverse knows how to use an M16. That's just a given. Yeah. So Cobras swear absolute loyalty to their fanatical leader, Cobra Commander. Their goal, to conquer the world for their own evil purpose. Bum, bum, bum. So that's easy enough. Swear, I mean, that there's, there's not really it's, a lot of information here. But looking at the 2007, the 25th anniversary Cobra, uh, word for word, everything on the file card is the same. Wow. Yep. Uh, which, which is... I'm getting my... them mixed up with the later ones then. But if we move to... Oh, there's multiple Cobra Troopers in 2007. There's Cobra V2, Cobra V3, Cobra Trooper, Cobra Trooper, Cobra Trooper, Cobra Trooper, all 2007. Well, and but these are they were released in different formats. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So but, yeah, I'm now looking at the one that's verbatim, wow. but there's other ones from that same year that do have a lot more information on them. Really? Because okay, so I'm looking at the one from the Cobra Multi Pack. That is word for word the same. The single card release is the same. If you look at like the V6 Cobra Trooper 2007. That one actually has a lot more detail in its file card. The Cobra Legions set is the one that this one was in. Uh, oh, where is? Oh, there it and is. This oh my one gosh! Yeah, this file question. card is like. This answers a question because it says the Cobra Trooper Infantry Forces are the most basic bottom of the barrel soldiers in the Cobra regime. They have to work their way up to become Cobra Viper Forces. See, and that's my head cannon. Is that the Vipers are a step above the the Cobra Troopers are the infantry? They're the bottom of the barrel, and then you get like if you work your work really hard and do your job, you get the cool Viper gear. That makes more sense to me than the Vipers being the bottom of the barrel. I think with with both of them existing in the same timelines as they have done them, then yeah, that makes sense. When I was a kid, the Viper replaced the Trooper. Like well, and they, that's what that's what they did in the comic as well. 
Yeah, yeah. And I said Larry Hama called the troopers vipers long before vipers were. Yeah, attacked. right. Because he said they're interchangeable. Uh, okay. Interesting. So, I mean, pretty basic because you do have to cover a lot of bases because this the these are literally the Cobra Legions. They're not individual characters. So you, this has to be a little broader, uh, has to have a wider description, but it, it hits the base of like, this is evil terrorist guy tr- out to serve Cobra Commander and, and disrupt the world order. Uh, and of course, the newest portion of this feature is input from retired Lieutenant Colonel Tom West, codename Mongoose, my dad. Nice. Uh, his only feedback on this, no comment other than E4 is a relatively low rank, which I believe has been his comment on every single one of these. Is they <laughs> all seem to be ranked a little low for what they are. See, I would think in this case, E4, if these are the bottom of the barrel troopers, would probably be high. Well, but what's interesting is on this original file card, they're not referred to as bottom of the barrel troopers. Right, right. They they are, they do actually seem with the specialties of sabotage, martial arts, like they do seem a little bit higher than bottom of the barrel. Because mm-hmm. let me just tell you, uh, those Sunbow Cobra Troopers were not experts in martial arts. No. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, any other thought? Well, let's talk uh, really quickly about uh, the art on that file card. Because that, that is something that I do want to cover. Obviously, it's the card art. It's uh, the, you know, that original first look we got that helped sell us this figure because when you're a little kid walking into the store and that's what you see uh i like this sort of action look he looks mean he's got thick mm-hmm. eyebrows that are turned down he's angry uh but the the shape of the helmet is interesting uh between that and the mask like looking at this this says evil to me yeah, the uh, yeah, the helmet is like a Swiss uh, army helmet on the artwork um, versus the little bit more straight, like straight lined one that you uh, say Swiss army helmet, and I'm thinking like a corkscrew and a screwdriver <laughs> are going to pop out of it. So years years ago, there was a GI Joe costuming group that was based out of Atlanta called Cobra Cares that used to do a lot of stuff at Dragon Con like 20 years ago. And their basis for the Cobra Trooper was to use like a Swiss M1918 helmet, um, which has that more flared edge to it because it matched the original art. Whereas with the finest, our base is the Pit Viper one, which was designed specifically to look like the one on the figure. So um, there's there's been some variation on that. Um, I prefer the way the figure looks because that's the way it was drawn in most of the um, in most of the media, although there have been right. some variations where it did have the more like flared Swiss style helmet uh, in in some comics. And actually, I, I want to say the first couple issues of the comics were drawn that way. See, I like this one because it's kind of reminiscent of like a serpent, like the way that it the flares out, like it mm-hmm. looks snake like. Mm-hmm. I do like this, uh, but there, I mean, honestly, 
Joe and Cobra have had so many small aesthetic changes over the years that I think if you're a Cobra, as long as your helmet is blue, you're good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, cool, cool, but very basic file card. Uh, I think now it is time to move on. <laughs> So we try and tie our reviews into either things that we've talked about or things that are sort of going on with G.I. Joe Media or G.I. Joe Toyline or whatever. And since Super 7 has, in their newest wave of reaction figures, released Raven, the Night Raven pilot, uh, we are going to talk about In the Presence of Mine Enemies from G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero. This is from Season 2. It's Episode 29 originally aired on November 19th, 1986, written by Chris Weber and Karen Wilson. And this is the penultimate episode of the Sunbow run of G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Uh, when I threw this out there, what were you guys' first thoughts about this episode? Well, first of all, did you even know? Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you just throw an episode title at me, I'm not necessarily going to know what it is. So did you guys know off the bat, like, what this was? Not no. until I looked at the thumbnail. Yeah, I saw the thumbnail on YouTube, and I was like, ah, it's the Raven episode. But yeah, just based on the title, um, it didn't it didn't ring anything out to me. But as soon as I started watching the episode, I was like, oh, in the presence of mine enemies, enemy mine. Ah, like the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, it's, yeah, mean, it's, well they, it's a very similar story. Well, and there was actually a book in the presence of Mine Enemies, which yes. is about a pilot in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this uh, the, the episode title was inspired by the memoir of POW prisoner and Navy pilot Howard E. Rutledge. Uh, and the, the book is in the presence of mine enemies uh, and a documentary was also made uh, oh, about his experiences, but it was the first uh, novel length recount of an actual Vietnam prisoner of war. And, and it made quite a splash, you know, as you can imagine uh, back in the seventies. Uh, I'm interested in checking out at least the documentary. I, I yeah. don't have a lot of time to read these days, but I would be interested in seeing the documentary. When I saw the thumbnail and I realized it was the Raven episode, I my initial thought was, ah, he needs a palate cleanser after last week's <laughs> episode. Well, you're and not wrong what about a that. Great, what a great episode. As, as much as I want to get back to regular uh, installments of Instruments of Destruction and our other segments, uh, I really did need some some good, honest Joe. Good old Sunbow action. Uh, that's right. The deke. I was uh, looking at uh, Chris Weber and Karen Wilson um, because, you know, a lot of these a lot of these will have written like multiple episodes of G.I. Joe. Yeah. And, and they were, uh, I guess they were originally just business partner, like, you know, professional partners that wound up getting married later. Oh, okay. Um, but because almost all their credits are together. But it's interesting because they wrote like one episode of pretty much every cartoon that you watched as a kid. Really? Like Exo Squad, Mask, uh, Mash the Universe, She-Ra, Gobots, 
um, DuckTales, um, Beast Ooh. Wars, Transformers. Um, oh, wow. But like, they only ever did like one or two episodes Just of all one. these shows, <laughs> which is really interesting because when you think about that, they, they probably weren't like, you know, they, they're adults. They're probably not following the lore. So they had to familiarize themselves with all these different properties before they went out and wrote, wrote a script. They wrote one other episode um, of G.I. Joe, but it was in the Deke years, the episode oh. Granny Dearest, 1990. Well, you know you've just cursed us to watch that now, <laughs> right? We can give it some time. It's okay. I don't know. I feel like we need a pretty fast turnaround on that one for for relevance. With a title like Granny, Granny Dearest, Dearest it's got to be good. Um, and of course, the title of this, the, the title of the novel and the episode uh, references back to Psalm twenty three five: "Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil; my cup runneth over." Uh, which we can maybe do a whole other episode about what what all that symbolism (laughs) right uh so our episode opens up with an incredible cobra submarine yes i don't need a full-size 118th scale cobra submarine uh now i'm not saying if they did a haslab i'd buy it because i'll back pretty much any gi joe haslab they do unless it's like a weird pair of custom nerf sneakers or something i don't need that uh but what i would like and and here's here's something this actually could kind of go back to something we talked about on the live stream you know jada jada toys has been doing the diecast joe vehicles but they've been doing stuff that's been made the hiss tank the vamp like stop doing that stuff let's do some cool stuff that has never been made give yeah. me a small scale Cobra submarine or give me a, a, a small, like the Cobra airship, like mm-hmm. do some interesting stuff like that rather than retreading road that we've seen dozens of times before. Let's get into some cool, like vehicles that were never made in any other, any other format. Yeah. love to see that. So mm-hmm. I'll take any of these vehicles that we've never seen before. Even if I get them in a, you know, a one, 124th scale yeah it's fine well like the uh or or even if they were to do um like the right now jazzwares is doing the star wars micro galaxy Mm -hmm. that are they're not in scale with each other but at least they're doing cool representations of the different vehicles do something like that do micro machines i don't care like when when star wars started putting toys back out in the mid 90s I skipped the Kenner figures and went right for the micro machines because there was so much cool stuff that you could get in those like, yeah. small packages. So I'd love to see stuff like that with GI Joe. They still own the rights to micro machines, right? Hasbro does. So yeah, let's do it. Why are we letting other companies? Because Jada Toys is doing the uh, what is it? One twenty fourth scale? Is that what those are? Yeah, I think so. Maybe not even that. Maybe one thirty six. I don't know. They're a smaller scale, uh, but then they're also doing the little tiny three packs of vehicle well they did one three pack of vehicles mm-hmm. but hasbro take it over well no because micro machines jazzwares owns that now do they yes oh, interesting yeah that's jazzwares um but to somebody 
somebody do gi joe vehicles and make stuff we've never seen before like there's a huge market for that people would freak out imagine okay picture this so micro machines just released an optimus prime that's a playset that opens up and you use your little micro machines mm -hmm. with that optimus prime so do the cobra airship as a Ooh. micro machines playset, so make the airship large and it comes with rattlers and a night raven and a sky striker in regular micro machine scale. Like, yeah, what are you doing people, what do Hasbro Jazzwares, somebody hire me to do this stuff? I will make you so much money. All right, anyway, so we get the, the Cobra back to the episode. Cobra submarine comes up out of the water, looks awesome. Uh, and we get a really interesting, I, I want you guys input on this because I don't know what to make of the televipers and the display on their visors <laughs> is that I don't think it's a reflection of what they're seeing on a screen. Is it no. like a readout from inside? What, I, what is that? It's, it just reflects like the words that come out of their mouth or the thoughts that are going through their head. I've I've always thought it was interesting that they they chose to do that in the cartoon, um, but well, and I, it's in the reverse, so yeah. we're seeing the backside of the display that's in front of their eyes. I guess very interesting. I mean, it, and it's cool. It's an animation thing. It it makes them like as characters have kind of a a thing to them. Uh, so we got slipstream. Very interesting choice to make Slipstream the main character of the episode. From what I can tell, this is like the only one of two episodes he may even appear in and get lines from all of Sunbow. Well, and it's it's because if if you were to It would have totally made sense if they'd done their normal thing of just having like Duke flying a conquest. Like it's it's very interesting to me that they took the storytelling route of actually making it slipstream rather than just throwing another Joe because they did that all the time. Mm -hmm. Everybody flew the Sky Strikers. Um, now in general, Wild Bill just flew the Dragonfly, but like they were very casual with how they piloted the vehicles. So it's interesting to me that they didn't have a main character have such a large role in this episode and I, I dug it now granted the voice was more than familiar oh it's bumblebee it's it's spider-man <laughs> right as right. soon as i hear him talk i'm like oh that's bumblebee <laughs> but uh but it but it was i loved that it was slipstream and this it made it feel like kind of a special episode that we had no like main cast joes or cobras really uh the closest we got was uh, an appearance from Dr. Mindbender. Yeah. Uh but other than mm. that like it, this this felt this almost felt like a special missions type of thing. And I like what they did with his character and I don't know if this was all scripted or if this was just like Dan Gilvezan going and being able to kind of put his own personality to it but he was saying like things like he was used like nerds and frats i had a yeah. note about that that was very unusual because it was obviously these are stand-in curse words mm -hmm. and i don't remember that happening a lot in the cartoon no no neither do i and like and and he did say a couple things that you would hear um other like ex, ex expletives 
you know, phrases that others would say during the during like, this episode. Blast. Yeah. Well, there's also a phrase, a bloody blue blazes. I think he says it. One yeah, time. yeah. Yeah. Things like that, that you did hear Joe say quite a bit. Um, but I, I really thought that was an it was a neat part of his characterization. And I don't know if it was written or if they just let him kind of, you know, just just ad lib a little bit on the mic. Yeah, it. I mean, it. Like I said, it stood out enough that that's one of my notes. Is is nerds and frats as mm-hmm. curse words, and I and I don't think that happened a whole lot. Uh so we've got slipstream blows up the Cobra satellite and gains uh, rec- manages to record some information that was being transmitted by Cobra. Uh, the AVAC and a firebat pursues him. Uh, that's what. That's what launches out of the cobra submarine obviously slipstream being the main character the gi joe pilot manages to take out the avac and the firebat did you guys notice the insanity that ensued when the avac obviously you know he blows up the avac but we see the little parachute they but turns into a bat it turns into <laughs> the avac is shown parachuting onto the beach but then a bat lands, then an AVAC stands up and turns around, and then a bat gets bat blown dies into the water. ocean by the Night Ravens, and then an AVAC pops up out of the water. What is happening? Yeah, this was not the best animation example uh, in the history of the Sunbow series. There were a few glaring errors. That was the one that was the most striking. Was That was crazy. Like, I, How does that even happen? But I'm talking that up to... They put so much oomph and care into that dogfight. Yeah. Because yeah. that is some of the best animation in, yeah, the dog in this series. Stood out as some of, I mean, it, some of the most unique and like, I'd say, um, risk-taking animation yeah. they ever did. So like well, they, they put all their money into those scenes and and hired the Deke studio. To <laughs> well, draw th- this is some of the other th- the, the high praise that I can give the dog fighting in this episode is there are a couple issues of the comic, uh, the regular comic and special missions where they write out uh, some incredible dog fights in the air. There's one issue with Ace and Wild Weasel, and then there's a special missions issue. Uh with oh gosh i cannot remember well okay there's a special missions issue where a bunch of the joe fighter pilots are distracting cobra fighter pilots from the stealth fighter uh taking pictures on cobra island and the panels are unbelievable because you have basically because they had the you know you've got to get the toys into the issue They've got all the different Joe fighters, all the different Cobra fighters, uh, and just the illustrations. Obviously, the, in special missions, it's Herb. Pardon my pronunciation. Trimpy. Herb, is it Trimpy? Trimpy. Yeah. Herb Trimpy. Trimpy. Who is incredible, the seminal G.I. Joe artist to me. Uh, but the the some of the standout issues of the comics are these dogfights that Larry Hama wrote and that the illustrators, you know, handled. Uh, but this episode really kind of brings those to life, even though it's not related to those stories. You get that same feeling of dynamism and excitement. Like it yeah. looks incredible. Like you really get the... screen and they just that, that's not something they did 
hardly no, at all. No, definitely not. And and what's so awesome about it is that it sets Slipstream up as this incredible pilot so that when Raven enters the fray and takes him down piece by piece, it feels significant. Like you really feel like, whoa, this Cobra pilot is something special. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've the, the, the storytelling and the visuals are just phenomenal here. Yeah. That, that shot where she shoots up the back of yes. the, of, oh, of, yes. of the conquest yes. and it goes up and breaks the cockpit. I was like, that was great animation. Well, and yeah. the fact that he actually like pulls out the oxygen mask and puts mm-hmm. his goggles down, yeah, like is such a nice touch because and, it, and it brings that reality into it. Even with the voice work, because when that happened, you had him gasping, yes, yes, for breath, like like there is an urgency to what has just happened. And when you look back at 80s cartoons, you know, people will sort of casually dismiss 80s cartoons as being silly and ridiculous and whatever. And you could easily see a scenario where something like that happens and the pilot just keeps flying and doesn't react to it at all. Uh, But in this instance, like the G.I. Joe cartoon, you know, people like to be dismissive of it. But that mask, those goggles, yes it probably would have torn his face off if the cockpit actually got destroyed like that. But at least they put that level of thought into it. He Mm -hmm. didn't just keep flying like, Oh, this is no big deal. This is not ripping my eyeballs out of my head. (laughs) And didn't we, before she did that, didn't he have a scene where he used the parachute did that happen before or after that scene where he used the parachute as a weapon against yes, yes, as a yeah. distraction weapon? Like yeah. I just feel like there was, yeah, just so many creative choices taken that that you typically just did not get in the other episodes. Well, and this was interesting as well. We got the scene uh pr- prior to the cockpit getting blown up where Slipstream does the the top gun, like yeah. he, he yeah. inverts himself, but Okay, before Top Gun, it's well, no, no, no. Top Gun came out in May of 1986. Yeah, but this came out in November. This would have been animated. I don't long before feel like because this came out in November. I don't feel like they could have had the turnaround right quickly. That's the first thing I saw. Is like you know uh, because I was inverted. I was like, wait, they would not have been able to see Top Gun and animate. No, I I don't think they could have. So Mm -hmm. that's very interesting. Uh, I like that Joe and Cobra both have branded parachutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very James Bondy. Uh, so Raven's voice. Oh gosh, this is this is my bad for not uh, getting on this sooner. Uh, Raven's voice actor. I don't believe. Uh, did you guys look at who this was? Hang on, I've got it. I did not. I meant to look it up and then I didn't because I ended up doing a billion different things today. Um, because, you know, every female voice is one of two people in, in GI Joe. Oh, three. It's uh, BJ Ward, Mary McDonald Lewis, or uh, Morgan Lofting. And I, but I felt like, the, uh, hang on, let me, uh, it's, it's difficult to find the credits. Uh, I'm looking on the IMDb to see. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now as well. well. 
Linda Gary. So it was. It was a different voice actor uh, for Raven. Which Linda Gary also... Uh, the voice of Tila, Queen and Marlena. Later yeah. on, Daphne yeah. and Scooby-Doo. Uh, so yeah, different voice actor brought in to do Raven. That's how significant this role was because literally everybody sounded like Baroness Scarlet or Lady J. Right. Uh, but this was different, which I appreciated. Uh, so we, we get this really cool, like, wow, Raven is this incredible pilot who's managed it because look, a Cobra pilot taking down a GI Joe pilot is fairly significant in Sunbow. Very unusual. But then she flies directly into his line of fire so that he's able to shoot her down too. Not the best move in the world, but we wouldn't have had much of an episode if that didn't happen. So, you know, that's, it's one of those story things that has to happen. But what's really weird is during the dogfight between Raven and Slipstream, she very clearly is identified as saying, G.I. Joe, land your plane. G.I. Joe, you must, you know, surrender to Cobra, whatever. But then after they've crashed, we still get the moment where he's like, you're a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it made no sense whatsoever. We don't know how, how that sounded over his cans. I mean, it could, it could have been really scratchy. Uh, you know, you never know. Sure, we'll go with that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but we, we still, it, it is funny. I mean, this it's very 80s that we still had to have our, it's a women folk moment. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we get, you know, the sort of the classic, good guy bad guy stuck on an island like you said enemy mine is a great reference and i never made that connection before but absolutely enemy mine same kind of thing uh where the virtuous good guy has to sort of assist the villain mm -hmm. uh so we get you know he goes over there we we get the reveal of you're a girl uh and then raven attacks him of course much rolling and tussling ensues <laughs> and slipstream's pistol uh, it goes off like a dozen times and then gets knocked out of his hand. And he goes, my laser. <laughs> Very odd to me to refer. And I guess you're not going to say, I, I, I was trying to think like in the history of Sunbow, did they ever refer to, to guns, to rifles, to surely at some point they I, I can't because it seems very odd to me to refer to that as my laser. Yeah, I, I'm I, trying to remember how they referred to their what did they say weapon or that's the thing is I can't remember because when he says that it was so jarring. Yeah. Right, right. It really me. like stood it was out. just so out of place. But I it, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It, it it was definitely one of those expositiony type things where they had to make it clear, like that he was upset that he lost his weapon. But yeah, my laser. The only uh, thing I noticed also during that, um, when she grabs his pistol or laser and is firing it, it's animated with red lasers, which was always the color of Cobra. G.I. Joe shot blue, Cobra shot red. Well, well that's Cobra's attacking him, they're shooting the, the blue right. lasers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is weird. It's a mood gun. 
Uh, so then we get the next thing that the Cobra submarine deploys are these awesome gigantic rockets that have bats inside. And I don't care who makes them. I don't care if it's Hasbro. I don't care if it's super seven. I want some bat deployment rockets. Rockets I need full of bats. I need toys of this very badly. Although super seven makes them. Well, actually, Hasbro's uh, three and three quarter inch figures cost more than Super Seven, so I guess mm-hmm. I'd, I I would prefer them to come from Super Seven. <laughs> but give me give me a giant plastic bat rocket with like three bats inside. I'm into that. I'll buy it for seventy five bucks. Just do it. That uses uh, the Star Trek bridge sound when the doors open. Yes, yes, yes. Which I had forgotten. <laughs> so. Uh, as the bats are advancing towards our two uh, main characters, weird little thing happens where I guess it's to indicate that the bat is looking around. We get these little electrical impulses animated on its faceplate. Yeah, little little zips. Zip. Yeah, yeah. That was just a, an odd thing to me. Uh, so. The bat. It is very clear to us, the viewer, that the bats do not care about Raven at all. Raven is still super dedicated to Cobra, believes that Cobra is going to save her and extract her from this terrible situation. Uh, it is is a little delusional and slipstream. So he, he knows the score. He, he knows Cobra does not care about this lady at all. They're here to eliminate both of us. Uh, that's that's uh, well, she's uh, acceptable collateral damage, right. yes, so to speak. Uh, so they they find uh, an underground bunker where we discover there is more story to tell. Mm. What what is this goo? <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the goo. Well, it's she says it's not slime. It's I was like. Oh, that could go a lot of dark ways. At first, I thought it was sewage, and they just were trying not to say that. But I think they would probably know. They would smell that. Well, I still, to this to this point that we're talking about it now, having seen this um, the full episode, I'm still not clear on what that was supposed to be. Well, they no, they explain it later. Do they? Yes, because when the um, the creature uh, one of the it's runoff from the bio annihilator. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The bio annihilator. They mentioned later on, like, where do you think all this slime comes from? Uh, right. So it's just oozing that. Yes. Stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't. I wasn't clear on that. Uh, so we get down into this weird laboratory, and <laughs> the bat slipstream and Raven are hiding behind a desk. A bat was solitary bat, which I liked how much of a, a threat they presented the bats as uh, solitary bat goes into the laboratory. Slipstream yells, yo, Joe, and jumps and attacks the bat. And the bat is just like whack, knocks slipstream <laughs> all the way across the room. Like he's completely ineffective against this battle Android trooper. Uh, that just cracked me up. And I liked though, that they did present the bats as a threat like both of them could not handle the bat yeah uh it took it took slipstream finding some hc acid <laughs> and throwing it on the bat to to stop it and also this whole entire time raven is just hilariously hateful like way over the top 
like you're you're a terrible GI Joe. I hate you. Like the 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 enmity uh, in her is just hilarious. She's been brainwashed under Cobra Commander for all these years. Uh, so they managed to to defeat the single bat and get out into this corridor. And Slipstream steps on, because uh, what would 80s animation, 80s cartoons be without booby traps? Without Super Mario levels or Indiana Jones booby traps. Well, and that's that's what I, I I'm glad you said Super Mario, because that's kind of what I came to. The pillars shooting up out of the ground. It was such a bizarre choice <laughs> for a booby trap. Like, rather than any, like, rather than uh spears sticking out of the wall or things dropping out of the ceiling they chose giant sections of the floor ramming up into the ceiling or you know just to work better with gravity just have the same thing but coming from above right right i would i feel like that would be more effective or just dropping wreckage onto yeah. the like literally anything would seem to be easier than than what they went with on this one but it did make for a really cool visual because they smashed a bunch of bats this way uh and then we make our way into dr mindbender's bioengineering lab well we also got to mention that slipstream apparently is really dumb and just decides to run right at all these bats who just shoot right below his feet <laughs> Well, that to me, that felt like a Han Solo moment. Yeah, well, that's I said. It was like, it's Han Solo from A New Hope. Right, right. It was like the same kind of energy to that. Mm -hmm. Good thing they're terrible shots. I Well, and I did. Uh, so Raven is, of course, injured because we have to have a reason for her to have to rely on a G.I. Joe to to live like we, we she she couldn't have remained completely autonomous in order for the story to carry on so she's got the splint on her ankle and is uh you know being assisted by slipstream through all of, all of this and i do notice though i feel like her crutch kind of came and went yeah it shows mm -hmm. up at that point where they walk into the into the lab and i was like where did the the clutch the, the crutch come from and then it just kind of disappeared again yeah yeah like she needed it for that one scene and then it was kind of gone so we're in dr mindbender's bioengineering lab uh and then finally we meet the reason that this weird because we haven't really talked about the fact that this little island that they're on uh when they crash there's all kinds of Cobra vehicle, well, stuns, it's mostly stuns, are already on this island. And Slipstream even comments, like, of of, of the all the places. Lot. To, right, right. Of all the places for me to crash land, it has to be a Cobra used car lot. Uh, so we discover over the course of, of the episode that this is, it's not an abandoned Cobra base. It's an evacuated Cobra base. And then once we get down to Dr. Mindbender's bioengineering lab, we finally meet <laughs> what is totally a Doctor Who monster because it's just a pile of tentacles and slime and mouths. And the bio-annihilator. Such you guys a great think? name. 
what did you guys think of the bio annihilator? It was uh, a little, a little bit of a lazy, you know, <laughs> monster of the week, right? Uh, I... And boy, the 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 voice acting was not great for it. <laughs> no, let me let me do a quick recreation of some of the bio annihilator's greatest hits. <laughs> I don't think they got Frank Welker to do this one. Uh, it was like. <laughs> I don't know that voice acting was the way to go for the bio annihilator. <laughs> I think I you know, they're, know. they're usual using like animal noises they like to do a lot with G.I. Joe. That cartoons. would have been so much better than yeah. just having yes. a dude go. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, don't so. know how, how we looked at that. And then later on were upset by what we saw in Cobra Law because that was right. that was totally totally Cobra Law. Well, that's I mean if you just look not at, insect. If you look at the history of Sunbow, like there's so much just preposterous uh, science fiction stuff that that Cobra Law is not a stretch at all. I, mm -hmm. I, and, and to be honest, I think most people's issue with Cobra Law is the fact that uh cobra commander is a snake person that was sent by cobra law and i that, get yeah i i get that but cobra law itself the concept is in no way outrageous compared to anything else that happened in sunbow uh so i do like that they specifically mentioned uh that cobra surgically alters the night raven pilots yes that's one thing i really wanted to bring up because again going back to the people who wrote this episode this is the only episode of the original G.I. Joe run they ever wrote. So I'm imagining them like pulling out the file card for Strato Viper. Right, right. And there was no internet. So they actually had to get this thing in hand or find somebody's you know actual notes somewhere and be like, okay, that's an interesting thing to bring up. Let's let's write in a scene where she can demonstrate that she's got this surgical enhancement. Yeah, they were they were absolutely working off the information about the characters rather than just writing a story and throwing GI Joe onto it, mm -hmm. uh, which which has absolutely uh, absolutely been done in the history of the franchise. Uh, so once uh, Slipstream and Raven get to a communication console, Slipstream is able to contact Dial Tone whose face does not move at all. No. <laughs> very, very odd. Uh, and then they, this is actually pretty a pretty neat plot point because Slipstream is like, I'm going to contact the Joes, and then he loses the connection, and then somehow Raven is able to establish a connection to Cobra, and she gets Dr. Mindbender, whose face does move, by the way. Except he doesn't have eyebrows, and it's really yeah. weird. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, no eyebrows no. at all. I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's a defining characteristic of Dr. Mindbender also. Well, there's so the, there's some shots where he has them, but the ones where he's like uh, facing them, he's got no eyebrows. And it's and he just looks like he's unfinished. Yeah, oh, that's hilarious. It's weird. Uh, so uh, and and I would like Super 7. Go ahead and put this on your list. We need a Sunbow Dr. Mindbender. Because he is different enough from because he's got his uh, cape is purple in Sunbow rather than mm -hmm. black, and it's a completely different shape. Like Sunbow made it so it's this like 
over the shoulder, under the arm, like hooked together cape rather than just like a vest thing. I would love a reaction sunbow Dr. Mindbender. I feel like that needs to happen. I did like that, you know, you you did see the cameras following them a few times leading up to this moment. And then yes, the, yes, the they did establish that, it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that Dr. Mindbender has just been toying with them. Well, he's been watching. He yes, knows watching what's them. going on and does not care one bit about Raven, which is, again, a sort of establishing, you know, storyline wise, the uh, the virtue of the Joes versus the cynicism and evil of Cobra. Uh, so the bio, bio annihilator, uh, of course, finds our our uh, two main characters again. Uh, my note here is bio annihilator makes hilarious noises, <laughs> which we've already kind of covered. Uh, and then G.I. Joe shows up on the scene first. We, we know that uh, dial tone dispatched a tomahawk uh, to rescue. And uh, is it lifeline? The drops. Yeah, lifeline and lift ticket. And I always, uh, in my head, I always picture lifeline is because to me, their tomahawk was really more of a troop extraction vehicle. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of how I always used it. So I do have lifeline is kind of always one of the crew of the tomahawk. So well, I the, really appreciated that. The first time um, I knew anything about the characters of lifeline and lift ticket was from the G.I. Joe yearbook um, from uh, Marvel Comics. And Larry Hama was talking about the new characters that they were they were going to be introducing. And he describes um, Lifeline as being like this pacifist like Alan Alda, but he, he's always working alongside this pilot named Lift Ticket, who's uh, like Charles Bronson. And... That's always been the dynamic I've had is that those two should be working together frequently and they should they should have those diametrically opposing personalities. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's great. And that's very much what we see here is Lift Ticket, you know, blasting into the battlefield and lifeline rescuing uh, our people mm-hmm. with that with that weird triangle that's always hanging at the end of the every every winch, every uh a thing like that in G.I. Joe. There's always that big triangle, which that's what was going through my head when when I was watching it with as high as the tomahawk was. I was like, God, I hope their arms don't give out before <laughs> they get to the top there. Well, they get to sort of go in and hang through it. It it works. I'm good with it. Uh so let me ask you guys this because I only I watched this episode today and made my notes. Uh and I, I did a lot. I had a lot of stuff that I did today. So I didn't do two watch throughs like I intended. Uh, the island starts blowing up. Did we establish why the island is blowing up? They set it to self-destruct. Okay. Okay. That was the, that was the special clearance code that uh, he extracted Um was what he had to enter and of course she had stolen the cassette and by the way mm-hmm. I, I do want to mention that there's always some nostalgia when i watch these episodes nothing made me more nostalgic than him pulling out that clear cassette tape yes because around yes. this time when clear cassette tapes arrived Big they deal. were the coolest thing in the world so when he pulled that thing out of the tape deck in the uh in the conquest and then later you see him, of course, you know, he's got it in his pocket. She she extracts it. She's she's hiding it from him for a while until 
he's like, oh, I don't have the 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 tape anymore to to put my clearance code. And she's like, here, I have it. You didn't lose it. And well, and the they even did, like- they even did set up for that where earlier in the episodes she saw that it was in his pocket. Yes, but didn't take it yet. And then later on, we see her swipe it. Right. But then he's like, I'm not going to ask how you got that. I'm like, but you know, you were knocked out at that one point. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Come on, dude. You're well. What else did she do? He's he's giving her, you know, he's letting her know. I think he's letting her know. I know how you got that. I'm not going to ask. So it's too nice. uh, They get extracted by the tomahawk uh as the island is blowing up we get that one great last the tentacle from the bio annihilator grabs his boot but it tears off his his weird flight suit with chaps situation that he has going on uh and they get away and uh we have raven and slipstream in the tomahawk with with lifeline and lift ticket and uh, one of somebody, I remember who it is. Somebody says, you know, hey, we got a prisoner. And Slipstream's like, I don't know, do we? And Raven reaches over, tears the Cobra patch off of her flight suit, throws it out the window. And apparently the only qualification you need to become a G.I. Joe is you're willing to change clothes. That's right. Yeah, all those years of terrorism, you can just sweep that under the rug. Under the br- water, <laughs> under the bridge, baby. Rip, rip that patch off and you are now a Joe. You are good to go. And and it's almost a shame that the next episode was the last one in Sunbow because I would have been interested to see if they went on to to include Raven in some way. And it's and it's a real shame too because they you know, of course, this, they've never released any figure officially until just now with the Super Seven uh, right. reaction. But this would have been such an easy figure to do because you have a Strato Viper figure. You've done multiple Strato Vipers. Strato Viper body itself is fairly like gender ambiguous. Yeah, they could have thrown a lady head on it. And it would have been yeah, fine. You put it. You put a woman's head on that thing with some braids, and boom, you've got a brand new toy that you can sell. It, and- it's well, it's shocking that it didn't end up as at least as part of a convention set. Yeah, yeah. And the Strato Viper is an awesome design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is cool. Like throughout the whole episode, the thing that I kept noticing was the cool detail on her gloves, like the sort of straps that were on her gloves. But then earlier, something else I noticed is the AVAC when we were seeing the, the uh, dogfight with the fire bat, the AVAC almost seems like the basis for the neo viper with the big cobra emblem on the chest the armored piece there like the that was when we got our first big shot of the avac was like oh my gosh this almost seems like the the forerunner to the neo vipers yeah both Uh, of the characters that they focus on in this have some pretty complex costumes and right right they they did a they did a pretty good job of representing the details um said this there's a lot of animation flubs in this episode but the detailing on the two of those two main character uh models uh they were pretty consistent on yeah absolutely uh all right so uh, obviously, I think we we all pretty much enjoyed this episode. Any final thoughts from you guys before we wrap this up? 
Uh, no, I, I I highly recommend this one. It's uh it's one that I have not watched in a long time because usually when I go through and rewatch GI Joe, we we just don't ever get this far. Right, you kind of peter out. Yeah, before you get to this. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a good one to go back and watch. And then of course it's the penultimate episode. The last one is one of my favorites. So we'll have to one day get around to into my yeah. tent. Uh, we uh, we silently creep or whatever. And it's that a one's called. weird one, but it's really <laughs> good. Yeah, this I mean th- this is definitely one one of the stronger more interesting character driven episodes of Real American Hero. Uh and that, you know, that Raven figure is out now and I feel like it, as weird of a choice as it seems, I feel like Super 7 has to make a slipstream now. Yeah. And and I would love to see a Bio Annihilator. <laughs> as weird as that would look. Well, now and now that we've got the taste of it, I want I want a, a Raven either as a classified or uh, you know, do an O-ring figure at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would love to see it. I well, and that's look, we've got a Sky Striker, uh, a Night Raven Haslab would not be the that's, worst idea in the world. That's a good one. That's a perfect figure to pack in with it. All right. Well, let's uh let's move on. This is Springfield Showdown, where two of us will choose combatants to meet in single combat on the battlefield, and one of us will judge which one of those combatants wins the conflict. This time around, we have Christian versus Noel, and I will judge the winner. Uh... Christian, you've you've got the first name in this for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Who is your combatant in Springfield right. showdown? Put them over to me. Make me believe they would win the fight. So walking into the arena, we have from 1988, Voltar. So I am utilizing my high frequency communications backpack to listen in to try and see who my combatant is so that I can start using my highly analytical mind to plot three or four steps ahead of them. I'm not necessarily letting myself be seen yet. Uh, I am going to wait until they come in and I am going to use my modified Uzi machine gun with its silencer to go ahead and try to kneecap them to start. Because I need to make them suffer a little and know that they have been defeated by Voltar. Christian, you have painted an effective picture of your combatant circling around the edges of the battlefield, waiting for the right moment to strike, using all of their resources to get the upper hand on whoever their unlucky opponent might be. Noel, tell me, 
who is Voltar lining up against? Well, so I had actually gone through and written out what I thought, you know, this this character's uh, strengths were and how they were going to do battle. But then this character contacted me and gave me a copy of what they wanted me to read. So I'm going to go ahead and read it verbatim as they gave it to me. Trained by the special air service down under, Southeast Asia's where I served, if you wonder. Left to join the French Foreign Legion, saw combat in the Algerian region. Heroism seemed too contrary, so I found myself as a mercenary. Committed acts of terror in the before times. Wanted on three continents for numerous war crimes. Even did a few crimes against humanity. No wonder Cobra sought out my insanity. Got a mustache just like Sinestro. Did I mention I was hired to kill Destro? So if you haven't figured out, my uh, my combatant is uh, the... Uh, the one and only Major Blood. So, based on that alone, you've definitely got a leg up. But you you have to uh, you got to lay down. How is Major Blood going to prepare for this onslaught by Voltar? <laughs> Well, does Voltar uh, have any more he wants to say? What do you say in the face of such a wall of verse? Right. I I cannot I cannot match wit with your ability to rhyme. (laughs) However, I will release my condor. And go look over there. <laughs> well, I think that uh, the Baroness has uh, the Baroness. Sorry, I think that that the, the one and only Major Blood uh, tell you a little bit of his 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 combat skills as well. So maybe this will help to create the case uh, because he, he sent me a second stanza. Oh, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> Don't overlook me and my eye patch. If I've got my pistol, you've met your match. Got me quite the sharpshooter skills. Use poison ice picks just for thrills. Choking with garrotes is on my list of likes. So are blunt instruments and things with spikes. And if you don't yet think it's too drastic, I'm quite a whiz with some C4 plastic. Rescued the Baroness. In the fang we'd fly. And then I just left Scarface to die. Oh, one more thing, and I hate to brag, but I'm the bloke who killed General Flag. So that that's that concludes the uh, the poem that uh, he wrote, and and he did want to let you know that the Baroness once described his poetry as quite beautiful. Uh Christian. I'm so sorry. Understandable. Nothing could could stand in the face of that incredible selection of verse. 
from the indomitable, unbelievable cutthroat mercenary Sebastian Blood. Noel, congratulations. You have triumphed in this Springfield showdown. That's wickety, wickety whack, Wyatt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's probably best if we move on. Welcome to Knowing is Half the Babble, where each of us get a little bit of time to talk about anything that may not even be about G.I. Joe. Uh, I'm going to kick it off this time and just say that I have my Kickstarter uh, pack from Cybertronic Spree, their new album, Ravage, which is all original tunes. Up until this point, Cybertronic Spree have done... uh, covers they've done the transformers soundtrack but this is all original stuff and it is incredible uh stylistically there's nothing on here that surprised me too much but it's all like 80s influenced everything from dio to motorhead to there's even a song on here that i swear could be an anthrax song it's called toys inc uh and and it like in my head listening to it, I was like, I could hear Anthrax playing this, uh, which by the way, Anthrax, greatest thrash metal band of all time. Uh, this this album is fantastic. Uh, go to their band camp, uh, sign up. I don't know that the album is officially released yet, but if you back to the Kickstarter, you've got it. Uh, but this this uh oh, I had it right next to me, and then I moved stuff around. Uh, I've got the CD. It came with an incredible patch. It came with a transforming flash drive that I thought was the most incredible thing in the world because it's a USB flash drive functioning that transforms into like ravage. But Noel, you said this thing is like not new. No, I've, I got one off of Amazon. It's been 10 years or more. And now I think the one that you got is... Uh, it's probably one of the 64 gig ones. I think the one I got was probably like, you know, two gigs. Well, that's... it's branded like it has yeah. the Cybertronic Spree logo on it. But mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, I guess it's something that's come out before, which I didn't know, though, because it blew my mind. Yeah, uh, yeah when no, I no, it's when I... it's a neat little thing, because I remember that was actually uh, I had I'm trying and it had to have been more than 10 years it was probably closer to 20 because oh I still gosh. worked at Earthlink and I used money that I had earned from a contest when I worked there um, on Amazon because I got like Amazon bucks. So yeah, it was probably like 2003 <laughs> well, uh, it's, when I got that thing. Whatever the case, it's a fantastic uh, little item and, and the whole Kickstarter like I, I just uh, Cybertronic Spree is is wonderful. Everything they do is great. If you ever get an opportunity to see them live, go do it uh, because there's so much more than just transformers playing music like it's it's legitimately one of the greatest rock shows i've seen uh but ravage is an awesome album uh it was just great i'm so glad i backed that kickstarter and i really really hope that they do a campaign to release ravage on vinyl like i i need to have it uh, a record of this album 
Uh, so everybody check out. I mean, if you don't know Cybertronic Spree, my gosh, check them out. But Ravage, they're, uh, you know, when you get into something that seems gimmicky like that, it's always kind of a leap when they release original music, but this is, it's, it's fantastic. And, and Hot Rod and RC, their vocalists each have their kind of own styles and throughout the album, they, they go back and forth and, and they're just perfect for each genre that they cover. Uh, Christian, what is your babble this time? So, um, the Dungeons and Dragons, animated toy line has been hitting i know these figures have a lot of qc we've waited 40 something years to finally have toys right these and it seems like we've had to settle uh instead of getting something great um but one of the things i love about dungeons and dragons are of course all of the monsters and the creatures um with the announcement of wave two it doesn't look like we're getting any however oh wait they announced wave two they did i didn't even realize that what is what is wave yeah two? It's, uh, just the other three kids oh eric uh um sheila and sheila. um Wiz. okay okay so um maybe hopefully we'll get an exclusive um shadow demon that they haven't announced but I was th- hoping maybe with the movie figures, we'll get some cool creatures here soon. Um, and Dude, if I don't get an owl bear, I'm going to lose my mind. Right. So there is a dragon now, apparently, that for, from the movie line that is hitting the Walmarts. That oh, looks, really? Yes. It looks phenomenal. Um, I have not seen it at my Walmart, but I have seen pictures of it online. Um, and at least one toy collecting friend of mine has it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, and this dragon is the same cost as the gelatinous cube that they put out. And I'm How is that so, even possible? I, right. I, I try not to be that guy with Hasbro where, you know, all the people screaming from the mountaintops of the price gouging. Yeah, yeah. But this is one glaring example where I'm going, <laughs> wait a minute. I can get this dragon for the same cost that I paid for four plastic or six plastic walls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But Hasbro, please, please get us some more monsters for this Dungeons and Dragons line we need more monsters and honestly i very badly want a tiamat for the animated line and if it has to be a has lab i don't care i I just feel like that's printing money at this point and i i don't think they're gonna do it but i will see we'll see Mm. yeah pixel dan gave us the heads up on hank uh on the ranger's hand just breaking right off well my my first diana when i opened her one leg was completely fused like Ugh. the joint is there but like the plastic was melted together so oh the whole gosh. line is just just qc well I, I don't know what they did but that's upsetting to hear considering and, and we'll get deeper into this probably on our next live stream once we've all opened our sky strikers but apparently hasbro is having some qc issues oh no lately yeah mm. i haven't 
I haven't watched any video yeah, about the Sky Strikers. I've so tried to avoid things, is... but you just like to do this show, I have to be somewhat sure. immersed into G.I. Joe stuff, and I have seen some things that are somewhat upsetting about mm. the Sky Striker. That is unfortunate. Uh, but that's babble for another day. Noel, yes. <laughs> what is your babble for this time? So uh, I was recently uh, hanging out with uh, with my friend Pete, um, one of my one of my oldest friends. Uh, Everybody, unfor- check out uh, "Clown Is Down" podcast. Well, and that's actually part of what uh, what the babble is here. Okay, um, okay. So I, I I ran to Pete. And it, was, it was under very unfortunate circumstances why we were hanging out, but um, we we did spend a little time at the uh, the pizza cafe uh um with a few other friends um celebrating the life of uh, somebody we we all knew um pete was like noel i love you guys podcasts but i gotta give you guys some some uh, uh, uh positive reinforcers so, or some some criticism so some constructive criticism and i said all right shoot and he said i like gi joe I don't know about a lot of the things you're talking about. Can you get some pictures up? And I said, absolutely. You know, that's one thing that we want to try to do more is get more like images up on the Instagram of things that we talk about. So if you're not a, you know, if you don't know all the references. So I'm telling you, Dave, as the person who runs the Instagram, that's 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 suggestions that we've had is to get more pictures up of the things that we talk about, just more visual references for those who may not know um all of the all of the gi joe stuff okay well yeah any pictures that you guys send me i will post on instagram yes yes so now now i did if you remember i sent you the password to the instagram oh did you oh yeah long long ago you guys both got the password to the instagram (laughs) so you could post on it as well well i i will uh i will i will try to figure out how to do that i've posted one thing to instagram in my entire life and it was uh, a picture telling other people uh that this 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 faker on instagram was not me Um, (laughs) but it led me to saying pete i also love your podcast it's called The Clown is Down. It's Pete and Keith, two, two of my oldest friends who do this podcast. And I said, but I have constructive criticism. You should release more episodes. <laughs> oh! Because, they, because their last episode was uh, was a Dragon Con fallout. It was from back in uh, yeah. September. Yeah, it came um, out at the end of September of last year. And he said, funny you should say that. We are in the process of recording more. So they are putting out new episodes. Uh, it's called The Clown is Down. Uh, they are on Facebook. They are on like Spotify. Um, I believe that I've got them on my Google podcasts. But it's just it's it's just two guys, lifelong friends who just discuss pretty much anything they want to. They'll get a subject and then they'll just go off on 20 other subjects in the same episode. But it's it's you can tell it's just the camaraderie between them and just the way that they talk about things even if you don't know these guys like i've heard other people say like yeah they just it's just fun to listen to these two guys talk to each other so and sometimes they'll have guests on um but uh but yeah it's a good so check it out it's the clown is down podcast i'm giving them a shout out this week yeah they're uh my favorite kind of podcasts are indeed just sort of conversational type of things and and i think even if you don't know pete and keith like they have a good chemistry uh, they have, particularly if you're in our age group, 
Uh, it's very relatable. It's very fun. And it's very, very breezy, casual podcast as well. It's not getting like too deep into the weeds with anything. It's just two guys talking about stuff. And it's, it's very fun. I highly recommend it to anybody. It is available on Spotify. That's where I listen to it. And it's very short too. Usually their episodes are 20, 30 minutes tops. Yeah. 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 You're not, you don't necessarily like your, your drive to work. You can take in an episode. So definitely everybody should check that out. Uh, all right, you guys. Well, I think we've done it again. It's time to wrap this thing up. Uh, our music is by Andy Samford of electricminnowmusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast. That is the best place to get in touch with us if you want to shoot us a message. Uh, let us know what you thought of this episode or just tell us what you'd like us to talk about. We we are always open to input, uh, except from Pete. I don't want to hear anything else from that guy. <laughs> uh, and on Twitter at gi joe audible uh christian where can we find those pictures that you do so well you can find me on flickr.com and instagram under legion cub and noel why don't you tell us a little bit about the finest hey the finest is uh where you can dress up like your favorite gi joe character and help us raise money for a great organization called canines for warriors so check out the finest cc.com or the finest recruitment center on facebook if you're interested and if you want to make your own G.I. Joe costume, uh, if you're into that, The Finest is absolutely a great resource to help you find helmets, backpacks, weapons, uh, whatever it is you need. Chances are somebody in The Finest has done it or seen it and can help you out. Yeah, the recruitment center is great for that. And we've also got field guides on the website. So some of the like the big troop builder style costumes, you can find all the information you need about where to acquire the materials to make those costumes well you guys thank you so much for sitting down and talking about gi joe uh we will be back next week or this coming monday with a new live stream uh you can find us every single friday wherever you get your podcast and as always yo joe cobra You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.